listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Well, folks, it's Advent. If you've been with us for any length of time, whether in person or by podcast, you will know that Advent is a pretty big deal at St. Ben's. As the Lenten fasting season prepares our hearts for the Easter feast, so the Advent season has traditionally helped the church prepare for Christmas, for the Christ Mass feast. In fact, Advent is the season that kicks off the church calendar year. It's the tone setter. And that tradition to which St. Benedict's Table has been especially committed since its inception stands in stark contrast to the pace and performance of pre-Christmas out there in the world we move through most of the time. Advent, as our readings this evening show, is about meditating on one of the richest, toughest, most central paradoxes of our life of faith. The fact that Christ's kingdom is, for us here today, both now and not yet. We live in the time in between. Christ's life, death, and resurrection are a fait accompli, the truth of his victory over sin and death, of his kingship over our lives, and over the ultimate trajectory of the world. It's done. Done deal. Those are spiritual truths that we stake our lives on in everything we say and do, every day of the year, that's the idea. And yet the fullness of that kingdom, the new heaven and the new earth, the fullest redemption and restoration of all things, which is promised and eagerly awaited in scripture, are not yet accomplished. This we know, this we feel and see. Now and not yet. Advent is, thanks be to God, a time to feel, to witness, to grieve, and very much to pray for all the brokenness we experience in our own lives, our neighbors' lives, in the human and more than human world all around us. Our first reading tonight from Isaiah expresses the passions, the grief and outcry of the Hebrew nation during a time of exile, very much like the feelings that Hebrew people under Roman rule in the lead up to Jesus' birth would have felt, hence it's being one of our lectionary readings for this time. Isaiah's words sing a dirge for the national soul during this time. He sings the pain and alienation lack even oppression they feel. But he's quick to connect those feelings of real-world exile with the feelings that God's people ought to have about being in a spiritual or devotional condition of exile, of being distant from and at odds with their source and home, the Maker God. When we continued in sin, you were angry. 
how then can we be saved? How unified again with you, God. We shrivel up like autumn leaves, he says. We're blown away, swept off in the wind of our own way. What an image. The rootlessness of that condition, the constant tumult of blowing around without rest, the drying, winnowing quality of that wind. This has got that feel to it in the passage. The NRSV, which we read tonight, puts it this way, there is no one who calls on you or attempts to take hold of you, but here. In this Advent season of now and not yet, I'll invite you to take that phrase and cast your eyes forward to a small, insignificant woman who will press through a terrible crowd, too shy to try to speak to Jesus, but certain that if she could just just touch his robe, if she could just lay hold of him for a moment, she would be utterly healed. Back to Isaiah. Yet you, O Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter and we are all the work of your hands. If any of you has a little mug collection obsession like some of my friends, so does God. (laughs) Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are your people. What an intimate prayer. That language of clay and potter recalls that we are all the children of that first Adam, the dirt being of Genesis, into whom Yahweh breathed tenderly the breath of life. And so the prophet who laments, you have hidden your face from us, prays not only for mercy, for sins, but for intimacy, for eye contact. Look on us, he prays, as we are, Sinful, yes, estranged, deeply broken, prone to wander, yet utterly yours. For if not yours, then whose? I tell you, I don't care if he knew it or not, Shakespeare was quoting Isaiah when he said, Love is not love, which alters where it alteration finds, nor bends with the remover to remove. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. Shakespeare was quoting Isaiah. Look on us, for we are your people now and not yet. Our second reading from the Gospel of Mark takes us down the timeline a bit to a point where Jesus is alive and ministering, and I am not going to try to unpack that as a whole, but I want to make one observation about a curious gesture in the writing right in the middle. At the beginning of this passage, Jesus is talking about the certainty, the certainty that many terrible things, many small a apocalypses will happen before the kingdom of heaven is fully realized. Don't be shocked and don't be mislaid, misled, sorry, Jesus says, when the world as you know it ends. It's going to end a fair few times before curtains. 
And that's part of what Advent is for, too. It's for those in the midst of their own small a apocalypse to join voices with those in our great cloud of witnesses who have howled that raw howl of pain at God in the nighttime, even while others are celebrating and feasting. The real finale, sometimes called the Day of the Lord, Dies Irae, is often described biblically as being preceded by a capital A, Apocalypse. And Jesus paints a brief picture of that here. Sun and moon darkened, heavenly bodies tumbling, heavenly powers, think powers and principalities, shaken. But where does Jesus go from that image? He talks about the day of the Lord and the gathering of all God's people from the ends of the earth and the ends of the heaven, whatever that is, intriguing. And then he goes on to this image of the fig tree without transition. As though it were no kind of non sequitur, he starts in on this image of new life, of springtime. Learn this lesson from the fig tree, Jesus says. As soon as its branches become tender and put forth their leaves, you know. Summer is near. So the apocalyptic stuff? That's not what the day of the Lord is. The day of the Lord, at least in this passage, is a leaf burst. The first day of a long, eternal, victorious summer. Boys, we are in Aslan's country here. The white witch's power, her winter, shall be permanently overthrown. And what's the first sign of that in the Chronicles of Narnia? Santa! Father Christmas gets in! That's Advent in Lewis's world. Now and not yet, Christmas in his world comes in the midst of the witch's winter as a harbinger of Aslan's spring to come. So this is where we find ourselves. Squarely, inescapably located in the now and not yet of Christ's kingdom. All the nows and not yets of daily life and faith. In Advent, we start our church year. In Advent, we start every morning of our lives. How then do we practice that reality? How do we learn its graces by learning its rhythms? Liturgy, after all, means the work of the people. Advent is our work and our privilege, not just for usually for this year three Sundays, but for so and so many weeks, for life. Many of us are accustomed to the idea of giving something up for Lent. It can be difficult, but relatively speaking, there's little out there during the Lenten season to really stand in your way. By contrast, in some ways, it's difficult to even contemplate what it would look like to adopt a fast-season attitude towards Advent, complete with sacrificial practice, given that it would undoubtedly clash with the expected, sometimes socially mandatory habits of merriment that in this corner of the world begin December 1 or sooner. It's not unimaginable, it's not unimaginable there could be some real awkwardness produced by even small gestures of reserve, waiting, sacrificial devotion in the lead-up to Christmas Day. Perhaps you've experienced it. I certainly have. And yet I think most years, most of us deeply need 
what that kind of a spiritual discipline tends to produce in our hearts, in our heart rates, thought patterns, our interactions, our attentiveness to the still, small voice of God. So think about it. Think about holding off on some of the decorations or the Christmas music or the Starbucks holiday treats or whatever it is, at least until Tibbs Eve, which for you mainlanders is December 23rd. Alternately, consider taking up a discipline. Bring a meal or extend an invitation to somebody you know who is hungry or sick or lonely. Maybe you love to crochet. Maybe that's the thing that keeps you in this time of year. Bring some extra mittens or socks for the epiphany baskets. Perhaps you tithe your attention by adding someone or something in particular to your prayers each day. Whatever it is, choose a practice that helps you recognize and respond to the now and not yet in your scope of life. Now, during the pandemic, even our beloved, unbrookable Jamie, that apostle of Advent, allowed that a softer approach to Advent might be called for, given how extremely sacrificial ordinary life had become. Pastoral sense dictated. You had to recognize that for those years, some folks needed to lean into the anticipation, the now already of now and not yet. And I think that can be true for some among us in any given year. For the folks who find themselves in that boat, those who need most to sing the now already part, I'd like to introduce an idea, if you will indulge me, in this little book, which is extremely short and more delightful than its length justifies. It's called Snow by Yuri Shulevitz. And I'll just share it quickly and then close. If you really want to see the pictures, which you do, find me afterwards. The skies are gray. The rooftops are gray. The whole city is gray. Then, one snowflake. It's snowing, said boy with dog. It's only a snowflake, said grandfather with beard. Then, two snowflakes. It's snowing, said boy with dog. Bah, it's nothing, said man with hat. Then, three snowflakes. It's snowing, said boy with dog. It'll melt, said woman with umbrella. A few snowflakes float down and melt. But as soon as one snowflake melts, another takes its place. No snow, said radio. No snow, said television. But snowflakes don't listen to radio. And snowflakes don't watch television. All snowflakes know is snow, snow, snow. 
snowflakes keep coming and coming and coming, circling and swirling, spinning and twirling, dancing, playing there and there, floating, floating through the air, falling, falling everywhere, and the rooftops grow lighter and lighter. It's snowing, said Boy with Dog. The rooftops are white. The whole city is white. Snow, said the boy. I bought that book for my son last Christmas because I want him to grow up knowing that a start, one single gesture, is enough to bring about the total condition. In a Christ-defined universe, it is, if the oak tree is in the acorn, then Christ's kingdom, a loving, peaceful, hopeful world, is born each and every time one person is brave enough to do something loving, to choose hope, to build peace. That's what we declare and rehearse every time we partake of the Eucharist. Christ's individual sacrifice draws us all into unity that single gesture brings about the total and ultimate condition of grace backwards and forwards in time. So if you think this Advent is one for you to lean into as a fasting season, to give you back the Christmas feast when it comes, do that. If you think this Advent might be one for you to lean into as a season to really preach to yourself and others that one snowflake does indeed mean it is snowing, do that. Dedicate yourself to witnessing the single gestures, the starts, the pieces, the clay that God the potter works into worlds. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.